the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Dollar. And here we are thanking you, as always, for joining with us as we gather around the old book. Why should we make a priority of coming together and listening to the words of a book written 3,500 years ago? We're reading the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy, which were written by Moses in the time of the wanderings 1,450 years before Christ. Why would that be so important to us? The word Truth is so important in the times in which we live because there is so much deception, lying about who we are, about ultimate truths and realities, God and our world, intentional deception on these matters. Almost every area of life, there's so much confusion and chaos and outright lies, people profiting, making money, getting power, prestige and fame just off of peddling lies and deception. Our culture is sinking like a rock in so many different areas. And one of the basic causes of that is that we don't know the truth. Psalm 38. Oh, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. My days are filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly. My strength fails and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. 
Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps for me. They make plans to ruin me. They think up treacherous deeds all day long, but I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I prayed, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain. But I confess my sins. I am deeply sorry for what I have done. My enemies are many. They hate me, though I have done nothing against them. They repay me evil for good and oppose me because I stand for the right. Do not abandon me, Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. End of reading, Psalm 38. Breathe on me, breath of God. Bring my life close to your spirit. Well, one of the great truths that the Bible tells us we're told in this passage that sin is a spiritual disease, a sickness, and it causes psychic, emotional, even physical problems. But sincere confession of sin and repentance, turning away from it, brings healing and forgiveness. This motivation of truth, seeking truth, is another reason why we get to this book. This is not some dusty old tome from 3,500 years ago that has nothing to say to our world today. In fact, this book has the message of truth and hope and deliverance that we are seeking as a nation and as a people, and hopefully that you are seeking wherever you might be as you listen to the Bible Live tonight. That's one of the greatest reasons we need to be paying attention to this book. There is so much trickery and manipulation in our world today. Here we are in this era of information, knowledge coming to us as it has never come to any generation in the past. The impact of the Internet is just incredible. But who do you believe? There's so many voices, so many opinions, and they cannot all be true. This book has been vetted. This book has been proven, demonstrated to be consistent and to be true when it talks to us about our relationships, about our economics and our finances, politics and our leaders. This book has proven to be true. And so I really want to encourage you to keep joining us here at The Bible Live for guidance to us in terms of our spiritual lives, getting the deception and the sin out of our own lives by God's grace and by his redemptive plan, and then setting his spirit free to work in us, to deliver us, and to make us instruments of truth in a culture and a society that is desperately needing to hear the truth about our lives and how we can again be restored to be a great nation. There's a lot of talk today about the light on a hill. America is not the light on the hill. God's people are the light on the hill. We are the ones who to let our light shine and to be salt of the earth. This nation can be a light on the hill because of the influence of God's people. You must make a decision. You must decide to live by the truth of God's Word. Now, last night, as Moses talks to the people to the book of Deuteronomy, it's his last sermon, his last message, four or five speeches here that he gives, reminding the people of Israel that they are God's people and reminding them of the laws and the principles that God has set before them. One of the last things we talked about in chapter 18 was the importance of identifying true and false prophets. The enemy of our souls and the enemy of our nation will sow lies, will sow deception, and will sow manipulation. We must understand that God's Word is true. We can find hope in God's Word. We can be restored. And that's what the psalm was talking about. Sincere confession of sin and repentance, turning away from it, 
can bring healing forgiveness and deliverance from sin's power over our lives. And that's what Moses is telling the people of Israel here when he talks to them tonight about his concerns for justice in their society, in their culture. He's going to talk to them about war, marriage, and human relationships, the Ten Commandments, and the area of our human sexuality. Listen tonight and learn, yield to these truths from God's Word. Deuteronomy 19.14 through 23.25 Deuteronomy 19 When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, never steal someone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. Never convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of just one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and the accused must appear before the priests and judges who are on duty before the Lord. They must be closely questioned, and if the accuser is found to be lying, the accuser will receive the punishment intended for the accused. In this way you will cleanse such evil from among you. Those who hear about it will be afraid to do such an evil thing again. You must never show pity. Your rule should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Deuteronomy 20. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God, who brought you safely out of Egypt, is with you. Before you go into battle, the priest will come forward to speak with the troops. He will say, Listen to me, all you men of Israel. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight today. Do not lose heart or panic, for the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army will address the troops and say, Has anyone just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? If so, go home. You might be killed in the battle and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten any of its fruit? If so, go home. You might die in battle and someone else would eat from it. Has anyone just become engaged? Well, go home and get married. You might die in battle and someone else would marry your fiancé. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone terrified? If you are, go home before you frighten anyone else. When the officers have finished saying this to their troops, they will announce the names of the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, first offer its people terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands it over to you, kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the spoils of your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of nations nearby. As for the towns of the nations the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, destroy every living thing in them. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will keep the people of the land from teaching you their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are besieging a town and the war drags on, do not destroy the trees. Eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. They are not enemies that need to be attacked, but you may cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to besiege the town until it falls. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Deuteronomy 21. Suppose someone is found murdered in a field in the land the Lord your God is giving you, and you don't know who committed the murder. 
In such cases, your leaders and judges must determine which town is nearest the body. Then the leaders of that town must select a young cow that has never been trained or yoked to a plow. They must lead it to a valley that is neither plowed nor planted, with a stream running through it. There they must break the cow's neck. The Levitical priest must go there also, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister before him and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name, and they are to decide all lawsuits and punishments. The leaders of the town nearest the body must wash their hands over the young cow whose neck was broken. Then they must say, Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did we see it happen. O Lord, forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed. Do not charge your people Israel with the guilt of murdering an innocent person. Then they will be absolved of the guilt of this person's blood. By following these instructions and doing what is right in the Lord's sight, you will cleanse the guilt of murder from your community. Suppose you go to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God hands them over to you, and you take captives. And suppose you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you are attracted to her and want to marry her. If this happens, you may take her to your home, where she must shave her head, cut her fingernails, and change all her clothes. Then she must remain in your home for a full month, mourning for her father and mother. After that, you may marry her. But if you marry her and then decide you do not like her, you must let her go free. You may not sell her or treat her as a slave, for you have humiliated her. Suppose a man has two wives, but he loves one and not the other, and both have given him sons. And suppose the firstborn son is the son of the wife he does not love. When the man divides the inheritance, he may not give the larger inheritance to his younger son, the son of the wife he loves. He must give the customary double portion to the oldest son, who represents the strength of his father's manhood, and who owns the rights of the firstborn son, even though he is the son of the wife his father does not love. Suppose a man has a stubborn, rebellious son, who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such cases, the father and mother must take the son before the leaders of the town. They must declare, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a worthless drunkard. Then all the men of the town must stone him to death. In this way you will cleanse this evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. If someone has committed a crime worthy of death and is executed and then hanged on a tree, the body must never remain on the tree overnight. You must bury the body that same day, for anyone hanging on a tree is cursed of God. Do not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Deuteronomy 22. If you see your neighbor's ox or sheep wandering away, don't pretend not to see it. Take it back to its owner. If it does not belong to someone nearby or you don't know who the owner is, Keep it until the owner comes looking for it, then return it. Do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey, clothing, or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't pretend you did not see it. If you see your neighbor's ox or donkey lying on the road, do not look the other way. Go and help your neighbor get it to its feet. A woman must not wear men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. The Lord your God detests people who do this. If you find a bird's nest on the ground or in a tree and there are young ones or eggs in it with the mother sitting in the nest, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but let the mother go so you may prosper and enjoy a long life. Every new house you build must have a barrier around the edge of its flat rooftop. That way you will not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your household if someone falls from the roof. 
do not plant any other crop between the rows of your vineyard. If you do, you are forbidden to use either the grapes from the vineyard or the produce of the other crop. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. Do not wear clothing made of wool and linen woven together. You must put tassels on the four corners of your cloaks. Suppose a man marries a woman and after sleeping with her, changes his mind about her and falsely accuses her of having slept with another man. He might say, I discovered she was not a virgin when I married her. If the man does this, the woman's father and mother must bring the proof of her virginity to the leaders of the town. Her father must tell them, I gave my daughter to this man to be his wife, and now he has turned against her. He has accused her of shameful things, claiming that she was not a virgin when he married her. But here is the proof of my daughter's virginity. Then they must spread the cloth before the judges. The judges must then punish the man. They will fine him one hundred pieces of silver, for he falsely accused a virgin of Israel. The payment will be made to the woman's father. The woman will then remain the man's wife, and he may never divorce her. But suppose the man's accusations are true, and her virginity could not be proved. In such cases, the judges must take the girl to the door of her father's home, and the men of the town will stone her to death. She has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents' home. Such evil must be cleansed from among you. If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the other man's wife must be killed. In this way, the evil will be cleansed from Israel. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within a town, you must take both of them to the gates of the town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. The man must die because he violated another man's wife. In this way, you will cleanse the land of evil. But if the man meets the engaged woman out in the country and he rapes her, then only the man should die. Do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no crime worthy of death. This case is similar to that of someone who attacks and murders a neighbor. Since the man raped her out in the country, it must be assumed that she screamed, but there was no one to rescue her. If a man is caught in the act of raping a young woman who is not engaged, he must pay fifty pieces of silver to her father. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her, and he will never be allowed to divorce her. A man must not have intercourse with his father's wife, for this would violate his father. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Deuteronomy 23. If a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, he may not be included in the assembly of the Lord. Those of illegitimate birth and their descendants for ten generations may not be included in the assembly of the Lord. No Ammonites or Moabites or any of their descendants for ten generations may be included in the assembly of the Lord. These nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. Instead, they tried to hire Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor in Aram Naharaim, to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. He turned the intended curse into a blessing because the Lord your God loves you. You must never, as long as you live, try to help the Ammonites or the Moabites in any way. Do not detest the Edomites or the Egyptians because the Edomites are your relatives and you lived as foreigners among the Egyptians. The third generation of Egyptians who came with you from Egypt may enter the assembly of the Lord. When you go to war against your enemies, Stay away from everything impure. Any man who becomes ceremonially defiled because of a nocturnal emission must leave the camp and stay away all day. Toward evening he must bathe himself, and at sunset he may return to the camp. 
Mark off an area outside the camp for a latrine. Each of you must have a spade as part of your equipment. Whenever you relieve yourself, you must dig a hole with the spade and cover the excrement. The camp must be holy, for the Lord your God moves around in your camp to protect you and to defeat your enemies. He must not see any shameful thing among you, or he might turn away from you. If slaves should escape from their masters and take refuge with you, do not force them to return. Let them live among you in whatever town they choose, and do not oppress them. No Israelite man or woman may ever become a temple prostitute. Do not bring to the house of the Lord your God any offering from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman, for both are detestable to the Lord your God. Do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether it is money, food, or anything else that may be loaned with interest. You may charge interest to foreigners, but not to Israelites, so the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are about to enter and occupy. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in doing whatever you promised Him, for the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows. If you don't, you will be guilty of sin. However, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. But once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to do as you have said, for you have made a vow to the Lord your God. You may eat your fill of grapes from your neighbor's vineyard, but do not take any away in a basket. And you may pluck a few heads of your neighbor's grain by hand, but you may not harvest it with a sickle. End of reading, Deuteronomy 19:14 through 23:25. to God's talk show, The Bible Live. All my devotion I give to you, Lord. We've got to come to that point, my friends. We've got to come to that place of abandonment to God. It's an easy thing to say. It just rolls off my tongue so easily. But it doesn't mean there are no risks, no dangers, no pain involved. It's a bed of roses and a cakewalk from there on. That's not true. God loves us and accepts us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. That is an exciting thought that God is interested in our character, in our development as people, as human beings, and the joy and the depth of our joy and the capacity that we have to experience God and his holiness and his righteousness and his justice. We have to be transformed, my friends. We have to be changed. And he is at work by his Spirit doing that. Just as he is at work now, as we read through the book of Deuteronomy, in the people of Israel. These are very important principles to us today. We debate these matters today, like the whole area of the right to private property. The government and our politicians taking away the right of personal property. You to have the right to glean the income and the benefits for you and your family from your work and your productivity and your creativity and your ideas. The Bible talks about that tonight. Don't steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers of their land to benefit yourself. There is a clear right in the Bible to private property. That is being denied. That actually is the essence of socialism. The state owns everything. You owe the state. You owe the government for the right to work and earn in your world. There is a creeping, powerful movement of socialism in this land. It is wicked. It is evil in its core because it steals from human beings the right that God has given for private 
enterprise for private ownership and private investments. This is very clearly talking to that tonight. And also it talks about frivolous lawsuits. You didn't think the Bible talked about the problem we have in our judicial branch as we have become such a litigious society. Everybody's litigating. Everybody's suing this one and this, suing that one and accusing this one. False accusations. Well, the Bible talks about frivolous lawsuits, about a malicious witness who comes forward and accusing someone of a crime that they did not commit. Their answer here is says that you have to investigate thoroughly, seek the truth, and then if it found out that you brought false charges against a fellow Israelite, the one who made the false accusation must suffer the consequences, the punishment that was intended for the person he accused. Interesting solution to that problem. Of course, that is being talked of in our society as well. If you accuse somebody of a frivolous lawsuit and it proves to be just that, then you have to pay their legal fees. You have to pay for that accusation. Before, you could actually destroy them, basically, just by bringing up false accusations against them. The Bible speaks to these matters. It speaks with integrity. In chapter 20 tonight, it talked about war and regulations concerning war. There's a lot of war. There's a lot of battle. It's a reality in the world of that time, just as it is a reality in the world of our time. These are very practical matters. It talks about unsolved murder what to do when a community is overrun with crime and unsolved crimes. It is a terrible thing, and the Bible here speaks to that issue and how a community can come together to experience God's cleansing in their community, in their lives. It has to do with godly leadership, pastors in our churches, and of course our citizens as well. All of these are very practical. Moses is taking the principles of the Ten Commandments, those ten core mandates from God about our relationship with Him and our relationship with ourselves and our neighbors, then giving some examples of how these things are to be carried out. When you build a new house, you must build a railing around the edge of its flat roof. That way you will not be considered guilty of murder if someone falls off your roof. That's a very strong legal principle being stated there of liability. And regulations for sexual purity, that is so crucial. We've been sold a bill of goods about sexuality, that the only reason it exists is for entertainment. The Bible is very clear that first and foremost, sex is for babies. It's for procreation. And there are a whole wonderful list of protections given to us in God's Word. By temperament, I'm not a person to get deeply ingrained in details, as my wife will tell you. I I'm the big picture guy. I'm the visionary, the encourager, and lift people up. Getting down into the nitty-gritty of details is sometimes really hard for me. I just don't have that brain capacity, evidently. But here we are in the book of Deuteronomy. You see all these details about individual lives. It gets down to the, a bird in the nest if the nest is down too close to the ground and so on. But these are the logical outworkings of those Ten Commandments, of these basic commands that God has given to us. And we need to work it out. We need to think it through. And I really enjoy the scriptures because they help me to do just that. See you next time. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live. P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com.
Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 